Welcome everybody to the week 11 review edition of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast brought to you by the great people of Fanshare Sports. Get on over and check out their ownership tools and trends to help you build GPP winning lineups. Uh, Week 11 did not go as I planned. Uh, As many of you know, I was one of the 200 qualifiers for the King of the Beach Live Final. and uh, you needed to be top 75 out of that 200 to advance. And I finished, uh, I believe it was 83rd or 82nd, somewhere in the low 80s. And it was a bunch of mishaps. I mean, I, I got Lamar right. I got Debo right. I got Michael Thomas right. Um, but pretty much everything else was not was not my best effort. Uh, I, I mean, the, the, the most tilting part was that Christian McCaffrey was allowed to play on that final drive for the Panthers with like four or five minutes left in the game Uh, and the 10 points that he racked up in checkdowns basically was the difference because McCaffrey was pretty high owned and you know if they just threw Bonifant in there like they should have for the last five minutes of the game then I think we'd I'd be singing a different I know I'd be singing a different tune because about half the field would have 10 less points and, you know, I mean, you could point to a million different instances, but I really think that Riverboat Ron, in a four-point or a four-touchdown blowout, McCaffrey just shouldn't have been out there in the last for the last two drives. Period. Uh, and then the other thing that was pretty wild was I was within a point or two for pretty much the entire fourth quarter of the four o'clock games, and Doug Peterson failed to get Miles Sanders a touch and that was really tilting as well in fact Tony Romo was pleading with Carson Wentz to check the ball down you know Sanders was just running flat routes uh you know quick curl routes out of the backfield Texas routes angle routes wide open coming underneath um but for some reason Carson Wentz was dead set on throwing screamers 30 yards downfield to Nelson Aguilar incomplete uh, and watching that whole fourth quarter at my in-laws, you know, trying not to scream at the TV, but, you know, giving a couple hoots and hollers. They probably thought I was nuts, especially since, you know, they're the type of people that win $10 on a scratch-off and tell you about it for 10 years. So they wouldn't understand what I was going through at that point. Um, and then, like, I mean, some other, some other things that I got wrong this week. I thought Muhammad Sanu was a great play thought he was in for a huge role this week thought the Patriots would try to throw all over the Eagles defense but they didn't they brought Brandon Bolden out lined him up as an inline tight end and ran a lot of power stuff which was very strange Jacoby Myers got on the field over Sanu in a bunch of formations I haven't checked the numbers yet but I think Sanu played less than half the snaps something I got wrong I mean who would think that he played every snap last week and caught 10 passes um, and then I, fe- I felt like I wasn't point chasing because this was a situation where the Patriots would probably have to throw a lot again, and Sanu would be their second leading receiver. Obviously, that was an incorrect assumption. Uh, and then, I mean, obviously, the two chalk running backs on the week, Sanders and Hill, didn't work out. I, I would do it again. I still think they were in good spots. I think the Falcons, you know, I mean, I, I could see the Falcons uh, not establishing Hill 
I mean, why, when you think about it, maybe, maybe that was the wrong play. Why would they give Brian Hill a massive workload? I mean, we saw 20 carries in the box score last week, but that was because when Devonta Freeman got hurt, the game was kind of already out of hand for the Falcons and they were just trying to kill clock. But why wouldn't they let Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, um, go to work on the Panthers. They are their stars. It was probably pretty foolish of us to think that Brian Hill was going to have a a crazy big role in that game. And it's not like he was 3,500. He was almost 5K. So that kind of made it probably an even easier fade. And I think I probably should have been off him. And then the Vikings defense, you know, just got absolutely blown out of the water to start which pretty much ended any chance that they were going to be throwing the ball a ton for the rest of the game. So that was just run bad right there. Um, but overall, you know, the, the entire tournament, the, the entire King of the Beach tournament, as I went through everybody's rosters, I mean, mine included, everybody's butts kind of puckered when they put their rosters together. Uh, it was a ton of chalk. And if I knew that, I definitely would have been a little bit different. I and maybe everybody was thinking the way I was, I kind of went a little bit chalkier because I thought people were going to try to get too weird and outsmart themselves. So I, I played basically a version of my cash lineup. Um, I basically, the only swap that I really made was McCaffrey uh, and Thomas. I, I felt like pivoting to Thomas would differentiate me from the field, and it did, and it was the right move. Um, you know, Thomas had five or six more fantasy points and that should have been the end of the both games but you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sound off any more on it we know what happened Christian McCaffrey racked up 10 fantasy points on the second to last drive four minutes left in the game down four touchdowns Um, but that's good to know going forward right Uh, Ron Rivera doesn't give up about McCaffrey's health he'll throw him out there and let him catch five passes on a drive that means absolute garbage to the team um, there was zero chance they could have came back and won that game. So if you can sense it, I'm a little peeved about the entire uh, the entire day. You know, like if I finished, and don't get me wrong, you know, there was a very nice four-digit payday for 82nd place. So I'm happy with that. Less than five, less than 0.5% of my total bankroll has been in queues. I'm not someone that that fires at cues, so it's not like I've wasted a ton of money trying to get to this King of the Beach qualifier. So really, it's it's been all gravy just to qualify. Um, but nonetheless, I, I definitely wanted to be in Miami this week, upcoming, and it's not going to happen. That will not come to fruition. I'll have to try again next year. Okay, one of the lessons that I learned, though, is that Obviously, the DFS community is getting much sharper and late swapping is becoming very hard because I had Debo Samuel and Mohamed Sanu in my lineup. I did not think they were going to be very heavily owned, especially with Emmanuel Sanders active and four other San Francisco 49ers active. I thought, you know, people were, if they even rostered Samuel, they were going to come off of him when they saw that the, the Niners had all six receivers healthy. So I left them in there because I was trailing a little bit. And then Mohamed Sanu, I did not think he was going to be heavily owned either. Um, you know, despite the fact that he was only 5K and caught 10 passes last week, just because there really wasn't much buzz about him, at least I didn't think. 
Uh, and I also had left in the four o'clock games Josh Jacob and Miles Sanders. I knew they were going to be chalky, but I thought that I had enough low owned in Samuel and Sanu that I could, you know, climb the leaderboard without having to pivot. Well, was I wrong? Debo Samuel came in at 40%. Muhammad Sanu came in at like 27.5%, something like that. So I was completely baffled when the four o'clock game started. I was actually like mortified because I absolutely would have swapped off them. Would I have swapped to players that combined scored more than the, I don't know, 28 points that Sanu and Samuel combined for? Maybe, maybe not. But either way, the right move would have been to swap if I had a good gauge that they were going to garner that much ownership because I was behind. I was like in 110th place or something like that. And I knew that I wasn't going to climb the leaderboard at the rate I wanted to with highly owned players. Uh, so I definitely would have swapped if I had if I had a good gauge on, on ownership, which I did not. But the, the takeaway there is, you know, it's really tough to swap. So like maybe what if I swapped off Josh Jacobs and he wasn't as owned as I thought. So when everybody says, uh, make sure you late swap, I think the ownership levels this year have been absolutely unpredictable. I mean, look at Christian Kirk coming off, uh, you know, uh, not a great effort over the course of a month is all of a sudden 50% owned in cash games and he goes off for 40 points. Will Fuller, after basically four zeros in a row, is the chalk and goes off for 50-some there's a lot of things that you wouldn't expect. So I would just say, be careful when swapping, make sure that you have an accurate gauge, which I think is actually hard to do this year. The other takeaway is defense. I mean, uh, I don't know. I want to say that like the mid range is our best bet for defense. The pay down defenses have not worked. I don't care if they are one K. I don't care if they're 1.5 K. There really hasn't been a great, defense under 2k that I think people thought were a good play and that ended up being a good play sure the Cardinals got four or five points this week and that's 3x technically but honestly if you don't have uh, top end studs that also smash then it's not even worth it Um, I think the best range for defenses for me has been that middle range right like you don't want to spend 4k on a defense that's going to get 10 points. Um, but I think those lower defenses are just not cutting it either. So I think the sweet spot, and I'll continue to monitor that going forward, the sweet spot is in like that 2,500 to 2,900 range. Seems like a lot of times it's a good defense playing a turnover-prone offense. Um, like the Ravens this week I thought was a, a decent they, – they were in a decent spot. They're a pretty good defense, right? They got healthy. They were 3K their corners were all ready to roll they've been playing well and they were facing a a Deshaun Watson Texan team that you know gives up a a good amount of sacks and and could be a little bit turnover prone now they were I thought they were going to score points I didn't think they were going to get absolutely manhandled but in the end uh, if you thought there was going to be a lot of points in that game then you definitely thought that the possessions were worth it to rack up sacks and turnovers but we'll, we'll monitor that going forward I think there is definitely a sweet spot for defense, and it's uh, right in that middle range there. All right, it is time. We're flying through this one, guys. It is time for the Monday night showdown. Um, I kind of wanted to give you guys, uh, instead of just rambling on about the showdown, I want to separate it into four segments. 
um, a, like an extremely dirt cheap play, like under 2K or under 1K that I think you can get into your lineups to help you save a ton of salary. A captain, an unusual captain that I think might be able to uh, help your rosters. And then two ways to get a little different in your lineup that uh, can help your rosters be a little bit more unique. And, And I'll separate it into those four categories going forward. So let's get into it. Uh, I think the first thing I'm going to say is that there is a salary saver out there by the name of Andre Patton. He was a preseason, uh, you know, hopeful for me. Played him a few times um, when he was one of the only healthy receivers for the Chargers. And now Jeremy Davis looks like he will uh, not play tonight. And if that's the case, Patton should be on the field a bunch. I think there's going to be a ton of passing yards to be had in Mexico City tonight. So I think. Uh, you could sprinkle Patton in to get yourself a uh, unique lineup, right? He's the only player under, I would say, I don't know, 2K that I think is rosterable um, outside of like a miracle touchdown from somebody. But with him in your lineup, you could do a lot of great things at the top. The other thing I think we could do is go to Sammy Watkins as a captain. Uh, If you're playing multiple lineups, like I mean if you're playing 12, 20, 40, 150 lineups, we can um, discuss Sammy Watkins and the captain because we know his ability. We've seen it already this season. We saw in week one him just absolutely explode. So I think the fact that he's pretty cheap and putting him in the captain lets us do a ton as well. Um, Obviously, if you're playing, if you're a one, two, three lineup person, I don't think that's the best move. The other thing I think we could do is play both Chargers running backs. I think the last time the Chargers were on a primetime slate, they won a showdown together, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. I could be wrong on that, but I really think that, um, you know, the Chiefs can be had on the ground, and Eckler is such a part of the passing game for the most part uh, in most contests that they can both pay off their salary and they could definitely both find the end zone in the same game, and then that makes your lineup very unique. And then the last bit of uh, advice that I think we can have to be unique is a lot of times what I see, and I even do it myself when I'm when I'm creating these lineups, I'll set a rule when I'm, I'm creating lineups, um, you know, on a lineup generator, that if I have a certain amount of a passing stack, or if I have a certain amount of offensive players that aren't kickers, I exclude the defense because you think to yourself, well, all these points are probably going to be a hindrance to defensive scoring. But in actuality, if teams are flying up and down the field, ton of passing, ton of points being scored, there's definitely a chance for sacks, fumbles, turnovers, interceptions. We saw it last year with Jared Goff against Patrick Mahomes. They almost went for, or they may have even exceeded 100 total real-life scoreboard points, and both defenses um, were absolute assets for fantasy purposes because of all of the action, the high pace, the amount of plays, it just creates a better chance for sacks, turnovers, picks, fumbles, defensive touchdowns throughout the game. So that'll do it for the week 11 review edition. I'll be back here next week. I thought I might have to cancel the podcast because I'd be on the beach, but that won't be the case. I will be right here with you in the car talking about week 12 Until then, good luck on your showdown slates, and I will talk to you for the week 
12 rundown. Good luck, everybody.